Today, fears of a new Cold War between East and West are again being expressed. Reflections from Asia reported on earlier such fears on September the 8th, 2007. The great advantage of the internet is that it forgets nothing. As long as you know how to jog its memory, it remembers everything. Yet I still try, in my old-fashioned way, to assist my memory with news clippings from newspapers. The best websites make such assistance redundant by making it easier to recall reports of significant events. So far, there aren't enough of them. Those running websites too often seem to think that everyone is solely concerned with instant news. Recently, the Australian ABC website reminded me that one Asian leader has predicted the return of the Cold War to international relations. Most leaders have been silent about this danger, but Singapore Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong warned a meeting of Asian defence ministers that there is a danger of a new Cold War breaking out between China and the United States. He may be right, though not necessarily for his reasons. Lee's reported analysis was strictly trade-oriented. Lee saw that anti-China feeling was rising in the U.S. and that the U.S. Congress was increasingly hostile to China, both realities because of the trade deficit. So the Bush administration was under pressure to act tough. Quote, It will lead not just to more protectionism, but also friction and recrimination that will sour the broad relationship between the two countries and increase the risks of a cold war. Unquote, Lee said. Well, at least Lee said it. He did not deal with Sino-American tension by pretending that it does not exist. Lee spoke in the wake of China demonstrating its anti-satellite. ASAT capability by shooting down an orbiting but disused Chinese satellite with a kinetic kill vehicle carried on a ballistic missile. The underlying bellicosity of that ASAT shootdown, the long silence which followed when Beijing declined to say anything about what it had done, and the massive increase in orbiting space debris thoughtlessly brought about by the destruction of the satellite, all accomplished without any consultation with otherwise friendly space nations, certainly seemed a portent of Cold War to come. Then U.S. Vice President Dick Cheney is widely recognized as a hawk, but he only seemed to speak the truth when observing that quote the anti-satellite test and China's continued fast-paced military build-up are not consistent with China's stated goal of a peaceful rise unquote. Yet while the ASAT test almost certainly increased fears of China as a potential threat, very few spoke or wrote anything about it. This was more extraordinary because China itself had very little to say about what was obviously a major development in its otherwise well-advertised space program. For weeks after the test, the Chinese Foreign Ministry still had no words of explanation. Even senior officials claimed they were still in the dark. So there was an extra disturbing dimension adding to the looming Chinese threat. 
As the only two academics to write about the ASAT test, Bates Gill and Marvin Kleiber wrote in the prestigious U.S. magazine Foreign Affairs, quote, Put bluntly, Beijing's right hand may not have known what its left hand was doing. The People's Liberation Army, the PLA, and its strategic rocket forces most likely proceeded with the ASAT testing program without consulting other parts of the Chinese security and foreign policy bureaucracy, at least not those parts with which most foreigners are familiar. This may be a more troubling prospect than anything the test might have revealed about China's military ambitions or arms control objectives, unquote. So, does this mean a Chinese military not properly under control? At first sight, it seems unlikely that a bureaucracy controlled by the Chinese Communist Party and a military controlled by the Chinese Communist Party would be out of touch with each other and that the PLA would leave those concerned with foreign affairs in the dark about a major new development. But as Gill and Kleiber point out, the ASAT test was not the first time that the PLA concealed its operations from other parts of the Chinese security and foreign policy apparatus. During the episode following the collision of a Chinese F-8 fighter jet and an American reconnaissance EP-3E plane in April 2001, the PLA on Hainan did not tell the Ministry of Foreign Affairs all that it needed to know to secure the quicker diplomatic resolution of the incident. Then there was the suppression of information about the outbreak of SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, in 2003. PLA doctors knew about the initial outbreak in Guangzhou military region as early as January, but continued to withhold information about it from the civilian bureaucracy even when the disease spread to Beijing military hospitals in February and early March. The PLA cover-up would have continued if there had not been a courageous whistleblower, PLA doctor Zhang Yanyong, to expose the spread of that disease to Western media early in April. Gill and Kleiber neglect to mention that Dr. Chan was praised overseas but punished by the PLA. Another example of the PLA going its own way without reference to its political bosses could be the incident near Okinawa in October 2006 when a Chinese Song-class submarine was allegedly undetected until it surfaced a mere five miles from the aircraft carrier USS Kitty Hawk. This potentially serious incident was evidently the PLA Navy acting on its own initiative without any direction from the top civilian authorities. The overall explanation by Gill and Kleiber is that even today, information remains a highly prized and seldom shared commodity in China's Leninist system. Information, they maintain, if it moves at all, moves upwards through each and every Chinese bureaucratic organisation, but seldom moves laterally between what ought to be like-minded sections of the bureaucracy. If there are any exchanges, they occur at the topmost levels, where, of course, the General Secretary of the Chinese Communist Party, the Chairman of the Central Military Commission, and the President of the nation are all one and the same person, former President Hu Jintao and current President Xi Jinping. 
In the least satisfactory part of their analysis, Gill and Kleiber conclude that, quote, as the only civilian on the Central Military Commission, the most important point of civilian military communication, Hu Jintao played a singularly critical role. He was undoubtedly aware of and supportive of the ASAT testing program, unquote. Yes, but was who aware of the specific ASAT test last January? Was he briefed on all its implications? On how it would be viewed by other nations with space programs? On the likely dangers posed by all the other space debris locking about? Did he give the final approval? Gill and Kleiber do not say, so one is left with the grim conclusion that if Who was completely in the know about the ASAT test, then he was quite willing to risk the development of a Cold War between the US and China. But if he didn't know, then the PLA generals who did give the nod for the test were either willing to risk a return to a Cold War or they were unaware that this would be the likely consequence. To be fair to Hu Jintao, he was in a politically difficult position. Mao Zedong and Deng Xiaoping were soldiers themselves with many contacts throughout the PLA, making it easier for them to control it. Jiang Zemin was the first non-soldier to take command of the Central Military Commission, but he at least had Deng Xiaoping around for several years to help him take control of the military. Hu Jintao, partly by his own choice, was almost completely on his own as he took over. It would come as no surprise, therefore, if some of the generals thought it quite safe to present him with an anti-satellite test fait accompli. So why raise these questions at a time when APAC and other organisations are once again trying to fulfil their annual quota of pretending that all is well and harmonious in East Asian diplomatic relationships. First and last, another series of incidents forcefully raises the issue of whether or not China rising is willing to risk a return to Cold War. Initially, the German magazine Der Spiegel reported that Chinese hackers, assumed to be either the PLA or those operating with PLA blessing, had hacked into the German official computers, including one computer in the German Chancellor Angela Merkel's office. The hacking took place a couple of months before Merkel was due to visit Beijing late last month. The reports contain some interesting details, not least that the Chinese interlopers had inserted spyware in German computer networks via Trojan horse software programs. Evidently, during her visit, Miss Merkel was quite forceful about the need to conduct business by the international rules in these and other matters. Instead of flatly denying the hacking, Premier Wen Jiabao expressed grave concern and reiterated China's promise to stamp out computer crime. Then on September 4th, the Financial Times reported influential U.S. officials saying that the Chinese military had hacked into a Pentagon computer network in June in the most successful cyber attack so far on the U.S. Defense Department. This time, the hackers went for a computer serving the office of then-Defense Secretary Robert Gates and succeeded in shutting down that part of the Pentagon computer system for a whole week. 
Not to be outdone, on September the 5th, the London Guardian reported that Chinese hackers had attacked foreign office computers and a Chinese group of hackers had succeeded in closing down the House of Commons computers last year. An FT article headed, Beware, Enemy Attacks in Cyberspace, warned that while the People's Liberation Army has been probing Pentagon computer networks hundreds of times a day for the past few years, the United States is more alarmed at the growing frequency and sophistication of these attacks. The PLA has demonstrated the ability to conduct attacks that disable our system and the ability in a conflict situation to re-enter and disrupt on a very large scale, a former US official said, adding that the PLA has also penetrated the networks of US defense companies and think tanks. Very quickly, David Legu, reporting for the International Herald Tribune, spotted the link with the January ASAT test. Reports that Chinese military hackers have attacked the computer systems of Western governments have renewed uncertainty about the control China's civilian leaders exert over the country's increasingly powerful armed forces, defense experts say. The accusations have exposed top Chinese leaders to diplomatic embarrassment and have the potential to undermine Beijing's efforts to reassure the United States and other Asian powers that they have nothing to fear from the rise of China. All this helps explain both why the US and its allies are right to get alarmed by what China does and why China does what it frequently denies doing. The reason in both cases is asymmetric warfare, a constant topic of PLA writing and research. China cannot frontally attack the 11 U.S. aircraft carriers, but it can try to destroy the ability of U.S. naval ships to communicate with one another by bringing down communications satellites. China knows that the U.S. warfighting machine is particularly dependent on computers, so why not disrupt that aspect of U.S. supremacy? When the Americans complain about hacking, the Chinese furiously accuse them of displaying a Cold War mentality. It's a classic example of the pot calling the kettle black. A new Cold War is pretty well inevitable since, as Gill and Kleiber summarize the situation, quote, China and the United States are already the two world powers most actively planning for a potential conflict with each other, unquote.